chapter fourteen of the social war of nineteen hundred or the conspirators and lovers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the social war of nineteen hundred or the conspirators and lovers by simon landis chapter fourteen victor abducted and imprisoned the bloody conspirators worked hard and faithfully to influence their people besides throwing baits and firebrands amongst those who were in less reputable pursuits such as rum tobacco perfumery dealers and patent medicine vendors showing plainly that if victor juno's teachings were accepted by the people there would be an end to orthodox creeds and medical doctors medicines rum tobacco toilet articles and the thousand and one fashionable make-ups and unnecessary artificial paraphernalia would be useless and the manufacture and sale of these articles would totally cease therefore the thousands of people who make a good livelihood at these trades would lose the means of making a living through such doctrines as victor juno advocated this kind of logic was convincing to those who cannot see god in natural things but who are born bred and educated under artificial logic artificial habits and as victor juno says they live by art doctor by art and expect to fly to glory on golden wings the bloody conspirators are not idiots nor simpletons but deep cunning villains who understand all about the power of god's holy laws and whilst they are not able to teach sound doctrines they can nevertheless comprehend what such doctrines imply when presented to their senses by the true naturalist therefore they are envious and jealous beyond endurance of the man who dare present sounder and holier teachings than have been advocated and followed by themselves here then is a bugbear that must be removed at all hazards and as the followers of the sectarian creeds are not so wide awake and apt to comprehend good and evil as the bloody conspirators the latter find it no trouble at all to control and wheedle these sincere and innocent followers of the believers hence in one short week these four bloody conspirators rev joe peer deacon rob stew sister nancy clover and dr toy pansy have the whole religious community in a blaze of earnest zeal for the rescue of sinners from the infidel and heretical teachings of this vile innovator who thinks nothing of preaching his profligate doctrines in a playhouse on the holy sabbath day there to urge on the masses of worldlings to violate the holy lord's day by running the street cars on the sabbath the following sunday the great majority of ministers preached special sermons on this man juno denouncing him in the most severe terms that it was possible for them to utter and seem saintly they urged their people to use every means to destroy the influence of this sacrilegious innovator and also requested their sabbath school teachers to command and exhort their pupils not to go where victor juno was nor to dare to read or touch any of his books or advertisements any reasonable free thinker who does his own thinking may at a glance behold the power that these bloody conspirators were wielding but this was only a drop in victor juno's cup and truly thus bad begins but worse remains behind 
deacon rob stew failing to impress general washington armington favorably when he had a secret interview in the general's library with him and having it from the general's own lips that he should stand by mr juno until he saw improper acts on the part of victor juno caused the bloody conspirators to abduct both him and miss armington and announced to the general that victor juno had eloped with his faithful daughter lucinda they telegraphed to pittsburgh and later to chicago to their sectarian equals to send telegrams back stating that a mr juno and the handsome daughter of general washington armington were seen in those places thus having bona fide proofs to present to the general's own eyes that his daughter was seduced and carried away by this ruthless person when the general received this sad news he was almost paralyzed with amazement but pat o'connor and judy mccrae who had been faithful servants for long years whispered earnest comfort into the general's ears and even exposed some tangible deviltry of some of the pious clique however pat was too wise and cunning to open his secrets too far to any one because he had unbounded confidence in victor juno miss lucinda armington and a just god therefore felt certain that everything would turn out right in the end the general was between two fires as he was inclined to believe the bloody conspirators in fact they gave him convincing proof but on the other hand he had too much faith in his beautiful and affectionate daughter to believe that she would play so wickedly and he also believed what pat o'connor and judy mccrae whispered to him at any rate he was persuading himself that his fair daughter was not the girl that the saints made her appear and he made up his mind to remain unprejudiced but wait and watch he set himself to work to learn when victor juno left his own house and by applying to mr juno's civil male servant the latter told him that his master was last seen going down chestnut street about eleven o'clock in the evening of last thursday on that very thursday night miss armington also disappeared so according to this statement they left or were disposed of at the same time victor juno was not a suspicious man but rather believed that people were more honest than their actions proved and on account of his immense benevolence he very readily trusted those whom he should have shunned and by so doing he was very easily led into a perfect trap as he turned the corner of fourth and chestnut streets he spied a gentlemanly-looking man coming straight toward him who bowed profoundly and said you are dr victor juno are you not yes sir that is my name responded dr juno hereafter we shall preface dr juno's name with doctor mr william t josephs of king sessing sent me in great haste to bring you to his residence his daughter is very ill and he desires your services exclaimed the stranger i should be happy to go but how shall we go at present my carriage is not home said dr juno mr joseph's closed carriage is waiting at a friend's in walnut street i am to bring a male servant with me also and whilst he was packing up his duds i proposed to go direct to your office and ask you to get ready to go and i thought by the time the driver got around to your office you might be ready to jump in and thus we should not lose any time interposed the stranger 
certainly said dr juno but doctor as i have found you here if you have the kindness you would better accompany me down to walnut street where we can get into the carriage and stop at your office on our way out there if you choose to stop there interposed the stranger i will do so nor is it necessary for me to stop at my office but we had better hurry to mr joseph's if his daughter is so sick said dr juno thank you sir here comes the carriage already responded the stranger the gentlemanly man whose face was somewhat familiar to dr juno motioned to the driver to drive to the curb which was in a rather illy lit part of the street the driver jumped from his box opened the carriage door when the male servant stepped out and dr juno was politely invited to step in the stranger and pretended servant following the driver closed the door and off rolled the vehicle all were silent but in a few moments dr juno felt some strange sensations and looking around the carriage saw what seemed to be a bundle of clothes which he thought was the servant's wardrobe when suddenly as they turned a dark corner he was vigorously grasped and gagged and bound hand and foot so that he was entirely powerless the carriage was rattled along speedily turning an innumerable quantity of corners until after driving for what seemed an age to dr juno it ceased to rattle having struck a country road and after continuing straight ahead for what seemed a long time a few turns were made when the team was stopped and in great darkness he was roughly seized by four men and carried into a damp apartment and dumped on a hard cemented floor when a voice said have you got him safe and sound all right responded another brutal voice then they all departed and the last that dr juno heard of them that night was the rattling of several immense keys as they locked the doors end of chapter fourteen